It's time for the Motown Rundown, presented by Impact 89 FM, WDBM. This is your home for all things Detroit sports, from the Lions and Tigers to the Pistons and Red Wings. Now here's your host, Ryan Rabinowitz. Welcome into episode number 20 of the Motown Rundown, your home for all things Detroit sports. Per usual, I'm your host, Ryan Rabinowitz, joined alongside Trent Bailey, Ryan Collins, coming to you from the Impact 89 FM studios in East Lansing, Michigan. Boys, how are we doing? Good. How are you doing? That's a real question. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm big f- weekend in Chicago. Big weekend in Chicago for the 21st. My first uh, my first Motown rundown as a 21-year-old. Happy so birthday. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. But I'm, I'm as I told you guys, I'm running a bit of a cold, so... Some people will be happy that I probably won't be speaking as much this episode. Uh, probably the less they hear my voice, the better. But I'm gonna. I, I don't know if this will be more impressive than the Jordan flu game. This the, I, I want at the end of the show. We have to we have to re- review the tape, and it, it, this could be. I mean, I I was walking in today in the studio, and I'm you know people are giving me high fives. People, I'm signing autographs. You know, I can't believe you're doing this. You're a hero. Like, look, it's just just part of the job here, but. <laughs> I don't know. I give you the nod. I give you the nod over MJ. Thanks. I, mean, I, I appreciate it. I'm going to try my best here. That's My friends know I'm not a big MJ guy, so. MJ flu game is Rebellion. such a hoax. Well, I, I is, completely believe I think that. It, like, it is one of the most like overplayed narratives, like overplayed sports stories of like, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. MJ had a flu. And when he played, like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Did, did he really? Like, you, you know, know what else is? The you, fact that Steph Curry was hurt in the 2016 finals because he dropped 38 in game five. Yeah, and then everyone's like, "Oh, he's hurt." No, he just can't perform in big games. Or, okay. Or how okay. about? I mean, <laughs> okay. like, if you have, and I haven't had the flu in a long time. Knock on wood. And I got my flu shot this year. Is this one of the first years I've got? I've always been very skeptical, but I got a lot of pre med friends, so they told me to get the flu shot. But uh, if you have the flu, I mean, you're not moving. You're not playing in a basketball game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. No way. No shot. So, so no shot. So now, if you put MJ on, on a level playing field, I, you know this. We again, we'll review the tape afterwards. But if I yeah. make it through this, this might be the greatest performance in sports radio history. You should take it down a notch, but <laughs> it would be it would be a good oh, week for you. But you, you know, I'm not one for taking it down a notch. Yeah, but. I know. All right, boys. Well, let's get into it today. No lions today. Somehow, Thank I don't know. God. If we, I don't know. If this is kind God. of a historic day. I don't Ooh, know if we. I don't, don't want to talk about them. Anymore. We might only go for fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, th- I don't know if we can stretch this show beyond fifteen minutes with with just uh just Red Wings and Pistons today. I'm confident in our abilities. We could talk about. Oh, yeah, we trust me. I could talk about Andre Drummond for about two hours. Good, good. Well, I'll I'll have you pump the brakes on Drummond. We're going to start with the Wings because I think we have a lot more to say about the Pistons. I guess we'll kind of catch you up because the last time we spoke about the Wings was before the new year. Uh, Red Wings currently sit in seventh place in the Atlantic Division, 17-23-7 is their record. Most recently coming off a big 5-2 win in Minnesota on Saturday, they will take on the Ducks on Tuesday night at home at 7.30. Uh, Just for some stats, because people love stats, I also love stats, the Red Wings currently sit, as far as the rest of the NHL is concerned, 23 in goals forced per game. 7th highest goals against average, 26th in shots per game, which for me, as a, as a former hockey player, says one thing to me, shoot the puck and you might not be 23rd in the league in goals per game. Right. Uh, they also rank below 20th in the league in both power play percentage and penalty kill percentage. So I've always been very high on the wings. I'm a huge hockey fan. But as, as time went on with, with the Pistons and wings both playing and the, and the Lions season wrapping up, I would I continuously said... I think the Red Wings are the best team in the city, and and of course after I said that, I went to a I saw that great game against the Predators in overtime when Larkin buried the uh, overtime winner. Awesome energy. It kind of took a bit of a slide there, and I think now, as we're looking at with both the Wings and Pistons, this might be their true colors we're seeing. And I guess sticking with the Wings, um, I I don't really know, and we'll get into it in a second here, but I don't know if this is a point in the season where you. You kind of, I don't want to say throw in the towel because you're still before the All-Star break, but now you might be seeing what the Red Wings are actually made of. And I think so far, it's been a decently successful season in a sense that you're actually winning games and you're competing and you're seeing some young guys evolve. But I I think where the direction of the team was heading uh, uh, maybe a month ago, it looks a lot different than where they stand now. So the first question I guess I want to open up with, and I, we all know Dylan Larkin is going to be the face of this franchise for years to come. I, whether it's 
next year or a couple of years down the line, he'll probably be getting that C on his jersey um, and wearing that for a decently long time in Detroit. Um, but my question being in, is, other than Dylan Larkin, you look at this young roster, your Chalowskis, your Athanasius, uh, your Jensen's, who else, you know, who, whatever else you want to throw into that category of the younger talent. And Collins, I'll start with you. If you had to give me a name out of that young core that you think can really carry this team or will be the most important piece in years going forward, other than Larkin, who's that guy for you? It's got to be Mantha. I think it is. I think he's at the highest ceiling. I think he's been pretty disappointing this season. Uh, he he just has the capabilities to be a point per game type of guy. Like he's a big physical guy. There's something the Wins haven't had in a long time. A big power forward like him. I I think you give him a couple of years, he could be nasty. But I mean, you look up and down this lineup. Larkin's basically been the only consistent one on right. a consistent basis, and he's proven me wrong and a lot of other. Not a lot of other people, but I, I didn't really think he felt deserving of the captain spot, but he's completely changed my mind. I, I would have to, as far as the Larkin, I see, for me, on the as far as the play goes for Larkin, after last year, I, I think you're right in the sense that people were almost, I don't want to say scratching their heads and by no means calling this guy a bust, but I think there was so much hype with this guy coming in. And, you know, last year wasn't a horrible year, not a great year for Larkin. And I definitely just, I think out of respect for, for Zetterberg, there's no reason to give him the C this year. But, you know, I was kind of skeptical. You know, is, is Dylan Larkin going to slide in and just be a, sec, a second to third line player and it is what he is? Or is he going to step up and is, is he going to take a role on that first line and be the go-to guy for the wings? And he he clearly is this year. I mean, he's the best player on the team by, by far, in my opinion. But, yeah, Manta's a guy who, uh, you know, I, I would I would – Mantha probably has some of the greatest potential on this team. Like you said, he's he's a guy, he's a goal scorer. Bottom yeah. line, I mean he's he's, he's not been the, hurt this year, right. so he it's was tough, out. Yeah, he was out for that for that month with a broken hand, and I appreciate him stepping up into a fight. That was cool to see, but I, not a guy to me who has a whole lot to his game. And I I remember back in gosh some point in high school, I was uh, with my hockey team up in Grand Rapids for a game. And we went to the Griffins game, and it was Mantha's first game as a Griffin. And I was there was so much hype about seeing this guy. And granted, it was his first professional game, but just you know, slow, not really intense, no, not a lot of back checking uh, in his game. Not a very big defensive component to his game, and it's definitely evolved. And you hear you know week after week in some in some stretches where. Jeff Blaschel's very hard in his young guys, and, and Anthony Mantha's one guy who really takes a takes a a, a big piece of Blaschel's angst with the with the young core from time to time. And I think the game has evolved for him, but the, the my reser- my reservations about him come in the in the fact where I don't think he's a guy you can put on your top line when you're playing in that Atlantic Division, and you look at some of these top lines. I mean Bergeron, Marchand, and, and Pasternak in Boston. I mean, if you put Anthony Mantha on that first line. He's not doing much shutting those guys down just because of his lack of, of, of defensive component. But I just think, you know, and I'll, I'll give, I guess I have a, a different answer after after Trent gives us his guy, but uh, with Mantha, to have a guy like that on your second or third line is a pure goal scorer. We can just put the puck in the net and he's a big body. I mean, that's definitely a, a luxury to have. So, uh, Trent, who's your guy? Um, Believe it or not, I completely agree with Collins okay, and, and perfect. Mantha. Makes my life just easier. because I think the ceiling is super high for him. Exactly, yeah. He, he, he's just... He is a scorer. Mm-hmm. You you alluded to it. That's that's his that's his strong suit. That's what he does. This team struggles on offense. That's what they need. They got to shoot the puck. You know. I think they really did miss him when he was out with a broken hand. Even though uh, hats off, helmets off to him for the uh, <laughs> right. for the fight. We love that. But another name I'm going to throw out there just because. And and I I must preface this first by saying my hockey takes are never right. <laughs> uh, I am notoriously famous for that with my friends. However. I like Chalowski. Mm-hmm. I think he's got. I mean, that that's your defender for the next. You know what? You're uh, going forward. That's a defender that you'd like to build around a little bit. He looks tough. I like some fl- now. His plus minus is horrendous. So right. it's but but I just I'm not. He's kind of like my Stanley Johnson on the wings. Like I think I think I see things in him that I like. 
And granted, I don't know a whole lot about the technicalities of hockey, but he just looks tough. He plays hard, and I like that. So Chalowski, along with Mantha, I, I'd, I'd say going forward, got to carry the team along with Larkin. Another guy who was actually really surprising me this year, you looked at the statue for the Detroit Red Wings. There's not very many guys that had their plus minuses who are plus. Mm-hmm. One of them is right. Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't think he had the, as much skill as I've seen. He's had good hands, and I, I didn't really expect that. I thought he'd be a guy who would just kind of be a grinder. He would work the four check, not the most skilled guy, but he's shown me a lot of skill. And at playing 45 games this year, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And he's on that line with Larkin. I mean, you look at Larkin. Larkin's produced, and he's been the best player all the year, and he gets all that ice time. That He's minus six. That made sense. But for Bertuzzi to play only two less games and be plus four, it, it's impressive. Yeah. Because, because they're out on the ice a lot together. So. Right. So that's another name to maybe look forward and see maybe if the wins kind of get a little bit of a boost from a guy that I don't think they expected to be something completely special. I'm glad you brought that up because my guy was actually Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, oh. but I want to touch on on, on Trent's, on Chalowski, because it's a, it's a name that, look, the, the Red Wings defensively, in, in my opinion, just as far as the, the players they put out there, I mean, Jonathan Erickson, I think everyone in the city just cannot wait till this guy's contract expires. Because the bottom line is you can't get rid of Erickson because no one in the league wants him. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, very he's, reputable. He's sources. immovable. Yeah, he is. He's, he's immovable. And the fact that he, you know, they I know Blashill mixes his lines up very often and you'll see him go from playing on the third line D to the first line and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um but you know, you look at guys like Trevor Daly, who's who's getting up there in age. Mike Green, who's getting up there, a guy that you could probably see move at the deadline. Even I've I've heard some 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 very quiet rumors of Nicholas Cronwall potentially yeah. getting moved at the deadline because he wants to help the Wings. But another older guy, Nick Jensen, to me, that when you when you when you have a guy like Nick Jensen playing on your first line. Something's wrong there. He's not a bad player by any means. But He's solid. He's but not, it, he but doesn't give you anything offensively. If you can, if you can put him on your third line and move other people around with him, I mean, you know, that's again, it's, it's a luxury to have. But the wings aren't there yet. And and guys like a guy like Danny DeKaiser to me, who I'm, re- I've really just been waiting for him to show me something that says he's a top four D. I don't see it in him, but. Chalowski is is a piece that the Red Wings, you know, when they drafted him a couple years ago, people were were pretty high on him in a sense that, you know, not a flashy name coming out of the BCHL, but he's a guy that can play. And and he has definitely shown that he, you know, he's got speed. He's got a pretty good offensive presence. There's still some decision-making things, and I think the speed of the game gets to him sometimes where he looks like a rookie, but this is a guy you need to pan out for sure. Um, going back to my guy in Bertuzzi that I'm glad Collins you brought up, uh, had a hat trick against Minnesota, and not again a guy that the people and, and you mentioned it. Not a great skill guy, and he's not a he's not a bad player by any means, but you know he he doesn't have the Dylan Larkin flashy skill. He's a decently good skater. He does have good hands, and the best thing about Tyler Bertuzzi is just his attitude and the grit that he plays with. Because when you're thinking of when I'm thinking of guys that the Red Wings can have for years down the road, I mean, I can definitely see Bertuzzi as a name that could be traded later on. I I wouldn't be heartbroken, and not obviously not this year, but as the years go on. But as a, as a guy who will throw his body, not afraid to get hit, you know, he'll he'll block a shot and take a puck to the teeth, and he'll drop the gloves. That's a guy that you want to have here while he's young. That's old school. On your, this is a guy you want on your team, and players love playing with guys like Pertuzzi. So he really reminds me of a Tom Wilson from Washington. And I mean, I guess you know Tom Wilson and Bertuzzi have both had their suspension troubles. But <coughs> excuse me, as a guy, flu game. Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm I'm hanging in there. Just keep doing that. <laughs> keep doing that. <laughs> but Tom Wilson is a guy who regularly plays on the first line with Ovechkin. I mean, and he's went from a complete grinder to being a still guy, basically, for, right. for Washington. And, he's and, unreal. And Wilson's not a phenomenal talent as far as, you know, the hands and the scoring ability. But to have a guy like that in the first line to protect Ovechkin or to give your give your offense and give that line some depth and versatility, that's huge. And Bertuzzi can definitely provide that to Larkin's line and, and lines in the future, in my opinion. 
I, I, yeah, I complete. And another guy you have to look at is Athanasiu. I think I, there's always been a lot of hype around him because he's so fast. I mean, he's starting to get more minutes. It, it always felt like Blashill <laughs> didn't give him enough time when he early on in his career, right. and they had that gridlock with he, where he was under the KHL and he held out. But I, when you look at Andreas Athanasiu, he just kind of reminds me of Thomas Tatar. Mm-hmm. I think he's. At kind of at his ceiling already. You you would think he would be better, but he, it's it's just who he is. And that's another guy who has a, one of the better plus minuses on the team, albeit it is negative. But you got to you you get it, I I yeah. hear you completely because he that's should have more than twenty seven points. That's he another should. guy who's young and he's he's a skater, so you you enjoy seeing him out there and stuff like that. And looking forward, that's you know that's something mm-hmm. this team yeah. needs. I mean, he's he's got seventeen goals, second most on the team. But I mean, twenty-seven points is nothing special. I mean, I, I, he has the capabilities to be better than that, but I, I just don't see him going past that. He just seems like one of those guys who's kind of capped out, and you would mm-hmm. expect maybe more out of him. And the problem right now is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, this is a guy who you have to have on line two, line one, because of his speed and his skill. But as pieces come together, you can move him to the third line and. Yes, he'd be a good depth guy. Great depth guy. What a luxury to have on that third line. Yeah, of course. But then the wins kind of struggling and stuff. Fourth in the draft rankings. I mean, that's how you get depth. I mean, you get you bring in another guy like Jack Hughes. That I imagine if Jack Hughes played on the wins. Imagine the hype, all the hype surrounding that kid from Michigan getting to stay home play. For Detroit, how sick would that be? Yeah, and, and you know, I watched him play in the World Juniors, and I he was read injured. Some, he was injured, right? And I, I read some weird things that he, you know, he didn't really impress. Which you know, he, I think he's, I mean, he's seventeen years old, seventeen, yeah. eighteen years old. So, you know, he, as it sits right now, he'll probably go number one in the draft. However, a guy from Finland's nasty, but but a guy like Hughes, you know, could very well go play college hockey for a year, like his like his you know brother yeah. Quinn's doing. So. I don't know if you get him right away, but I mean, do you would you genuinely believe that this is a guy who, if he goes number one overall, are we going to be talking about him in the discussion of being one of the best players in the NHL for years to come? I, I mean, I'm not an <laughs> NHL insider by no means, but everything I've heard from like respected people, like you see guys on TSN talking about Jack who's being uh, like the future. Right. So it, it's not like. A couple of years ago, when the win, like last year, the wins, there was no really generational talent except Rasmus Darling. Mm-hmm. And I think this draft, you got that, what his name is, Capo Kata. Kato. I, I didn't say that right. <laughs> guy, guy from. We'll, uh, work, we'll work on it. Yeah. He was nasty in the World Juniors. So yes. You have two guys like Jack Hughes and that up there in that top four range. If the wins to get an elite player here, it changes everything. I mean, you see it with Toronto. See with, I mean, Edmonton sucks for some reason. They're mm-hmm. the best player in the league, but what I, moving on from that. But like, you look at Toronto. They just build from the draft. You have Nylander, Marner, and Austin Matthews, all high draft picks. So. Yep. I don't know. Well, I, you know, I, it's just, again, it's a, it goes back to the hateful question of, do you tank and go off you're a guy like this, or you know, do, do you keep playing hard? <laughs> at the end of the season last year for the Wings, they like kept winning for yes. some reason. Really weird. Really, yeah, really yeah. I was weird. like, they beat Buffalo. I was like, yeah. oh my god, what are we doing, boys? But right. when, when you, I mean, Gus Nyquist is gonna be a nice little piece. I, yes, I, 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 I agree. You'll I, probably get a second or third rounder with that. I mean, he's second on the team of points at thirty nine. He's been solid. He's played every game this year. So I mean, Gus is kind of a guy you thought it was gonna be a lot better here. Right. He had that magical like twenty two games in a row where he had a point. Yep, that was sick. I remember that. Yep. So a lot of lot Quick of hockey, a lot yeah. of hockey left to play here in the Motor City. Uh, All Star break is looming, so we will have more on the wings uh, as the season progresses. Obviously, now we got to go to the Pistons. I know you guys are excited to talk about the Pistons. Yippee! I I, <sighs> I stayed up to watch that Sacramento game, so there's a lot of heat coming from this. Good, way. and so I want you I. to bring it. I want yep. you to bring all of it. Uh, Pistons sit, currently sitting tenth place in the East. A big 109-104 to 104 win over the Clippers on Saturday. Big in the sense of good win for Blake Griffin. They take on the Jazz later tonight. I feel like they always play when we record. Uh, yeah, they do. It's Quite kind of a weird thing. That's, Quite often. That's strange. But I'll, you know, I'll just turn it over to, to you guys to start, and I guess I'll start with Collins. I mean, your thoughts in the past, I don't know, we haven't talked about the Pistons in a, in a good month or so, so I, it's, is it, I mean, is it is it time to hit the panic button, I guess, is what I'll ask? Yeah. I, I mean, they're, the, the point guard play is terrible right now. Yeah. And, I mean, 
Re- Reggie Jackson has always been criticized, even was criticized last year. He's just not the same player he was two years ago. It's plain and simple. And they don't play in a system where it's helpful for him when they're doing high pick and rolls with him and Andre Drummond. And he's not that his knees are clearly different. So I, I, it is time to hit the panic button. I mean, ever since Ish Smith went out, they've gone on a complete skid. The attendance is way down. They have the worst attendance percentage in the entire league. That's embarrassing. Yeah, that's, yeah, pretty, that's, that's, that's For tough. a historic franchise at the Detroit Pistons, for and to have the capable players like Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, and you can't get people into the stadium. Is that something about Little Caesars, or is that some, it's definitely something about the Pistons? Just yeah. win. It can't be about the arena because yeah. arenas are yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. No, but like, you looked at Andre Drummond, and I'm counting right here in his last 19 games, he's only been a plus on the court five times. That's huh. that's. I mean, you look at games against Indiana, minus thirty-seven while he's on the floor. I you that Sacramento game. He he just looks disinterested. He we we've always harped on it that when Andre's energized, he's a great player. He's just not energized anymore. And he, this Pistons team, I understand with a lot of injuries, a lot of guys coming in and out of the lineup with Ish. Zaza, but they should still be able to beat bad teams, and they haven't been able to do this over this span. You shouldn't lose to Orlando. You shouldn't lose to Atlanta at home. Blake Griffin missing two free throws. I'm just saying, there. This team, it is time to hit the panic button. I thought this team was going to be a playoff team. Maybe they geared up when Ish Smith comes back, but I, there's not a lot of hope with this franchise right now. Um, <laughs> I have hope, of course. Uh, I'll get into that in a second. Actually, actually, I'll get into that now. Why don't I just go for it? Um, for me, the problem, I, I, I agree. I think uh, it's a 100% for me is just guard play because Ish Smith hasn't played since mid-December and we're 6-14 and 14 without him. You know, for, for, a, for a backup point guard, that's pretty glaring, and I don't right. know what the deal is, but um, I, I don't think it's an accident. He's averaging nine points and three assists. His impact goes just beyond that. You know, he's, he's playing 24 minutes a game. That's a half. Yeah. That's a half. <laughs> For your backup point guard, as and, and that's a full 24 minutes of selfless point guard play. He does not look for his own shot. Mm. He, he passes the ball. You know, he's a huge energy ball. guy, too. Huge energy yeah. guy. And he plays great coming off the bench as opposed to starting. I don't know why, but that's just more of his role. So um, I think that's going to be a big, big, big plus for the Pistons tonight. Uh, we'll see since this gets posted tomorrow. I don't know. I might look like a fool, but <laughs> Ish is coming back tonight. So I, I got a good feeling because remember that Reggie-ish at the same time thing that we loved? That we yeah, talked well, about yeah. it worked beautifully. When the Pistons were three and seven, and we were like, "Holy cow, this is awesome!" Um, but when you look past just Ish Smith on on the whole the whole guard depth rotation for the Pistons, it's like you got Reggie Bullock. He's a great spot up shooter, but after that, it, it's 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 pretty rough. Bruce mm-hmm. Brown, I actually I really like him. He pack. plays great defense, and especially in today's NBA with guards like you know obviously Steph Curry and mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving and James Harden. You got to have guys like that on your team. There's definitely a spot for that, but um, it, uh, just just for the sake of argument here, though, uh, he, he's not much of a threat to score. You know, uh, Luke Kennard needs to pull the trigger more because that's the only reason he's on the team. Exactly. He doesn't do anything else well. Um, Langston Galloway, I actually really like him, but for some reason, Dwayne Casey doesn't trust him. I don't understand it. He doesn't get into the game till the third quarter sometimes, and then he goes four for four from deep. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand what the deal is there. That might be something deeper in the locker room. But anyways. Jose Calderon, I'm just not a fan. He's meh to me. There's you know, no reason for him to be here. There's, there's no reason, and and I know he's been playing because Ish has been out, but he shouldn't. He he should just. You may as well put Kyrie Thomas out there. Mm-hmm. I c- I could argue though that Jose Calderon has been better than Reggie in this last. Oh, time. I, I would agree Reggie, with you. Reggie's been yeah. the worst basketball of his career. I, I would. He's been terrible. Surely agree. I 100 agree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying there's no. I I don't see the point in putting Jose Calderon out there. Just put put Kyrie Thomas out there. That's your. Mm-hmm. Was he picked 38th? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He got some minutes at the end of that Sacramento yeah. game. He, he hit a three. I, I like what you brought up with Luke Kennard. He's got to shoot the ball. Yeah, that's the I, only it makes reason you're on the no team. No sense yeah. why he's in the game if you're not going to shoot the ball. The only reason why he's in the NBA. Yeah, it, no. And the thing about Luke Kennard is when he's assertive and he gets his shots off. You saw the Memphis where he hit a couple yeah. big shots. He is capable of doing that, and people always you look at NBA insiders and the Pistons' best asset is Luke Kennard somehow. It's now yeah. like young asset, not talking about yeah, Blake or Andre. Right. That's strange. But, but yeah, but you, you, Luke Kennard doesn't really get minutes either. Yeah. Like he doesn't get major minutes. I, I really don't understand that. He should be playing. Bruce Brown and him are on the same. Luke Kennard needs to be playing more 
or just as much as Reggie Bullock. I'm sorry, Reggie Bullock's much better. Yeah, but this team is. You need something else because the guard play is so bad. It's so it, that that's, they what, don't that's get exactly e- what it, I don't understand. They don't get any easy buckets. That's exactly what no I don't understand. Because because if it's not working, then you got to throw some other guys out there. Yeah. You know, in this horrible losing streak, and mm. this this uh, I think the Pistons have lost sixteen out of twenty one, something like that. It's like the guard play has been so bad. So I I just real quick I want to take. Those four I just talked about, uh, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Langston Galloway, and Jose Calderon. The combined totals for those guys is 23 points per game. That's five per player. You know what I mean? That's it's that's tough. not it's that's not awful, but it's just not good enough. Right. It's not good enough. That's a little too low. We're too dependent on the starting unit. So moving on to that, the starting unit has been pretty good. The Pistons are winning the first quarter in almost all these games. I'll give you four recent examples in the last five games. The Jazz, plus 18. And then you lose by five. Plus 18 in the first quarter. Yeah. The Spurs, plus six. You lose by 12. Lakers, you're plus four at the end of the first. Kuzma drops 41. You lose by 13. Uh, and, and then the Clippers game, plus 13. But then you throw in the second unit to start the second half, and, and they go on an immediate 6-0 run, and you're only up seven within three minutes of the second quarter starts. You know, that, that stuff's unacceptable to me. They did win that game by five, so credit where credit's due. But that's just for your last five games right there where the starting unit is like, Getting out and getting, they're they're playing, they're getting out and running. But that that the 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 second unit in the bench has been so weak, and I am hanging. They have no I'm, second unit. Exactly, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. They don't. And it's, I'm holding on to hope that Ish Smith is kind of the guts and glue that kind of tie it together, right? But you got to remember too. I you guys know I hate Zaza, but Zaza is has better been, than I, John Lore. I, I, I was just yeah. gonna say I'd rather have Zaza out there than John Lore for a quarter because I can't stand watching John Lore play basketball because it's rough. But Blake's giving you 26, 8, and 5. He's a top five player of the East. Andre's giving you 17 and 15 despite some laziness or whatever like that. Reggie Jackson, 15 points, 4 assists despite the worst basketball of his career. Reggie Bullock, 12 points per game, 40% from the three-point arc. Stanley and Bruce roam for that second spot. They're both great defenders. The starting unit's not the problem. For me, it's the guard play. I, I would agree there, but when you look at this team, I mean, you go back to that game against Philadelphia on the twelfth. I'm on, on the seventh of January. You blow that big lead at home against Philadelphia yeah. after having a five. You beat Golden State and you're up seven games over five hundred. Lose the OKC bid, lose the Milwaukee bid, and then you have Philadelphia on the ropes. And ever since that, they haven't been able to come back. Exactly. And I get that Ish goes down and they had injuries during that, but they have never been able to regain that confidence. And Blake. It, it, so you Blake will have a triple double and be the worst player on the floor. Sometimes <laughs> it, yeah. it, 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 it happens. It's that's mesmerizing. Just, it's, that's that's just the way he plays because he bats you down and stuff. They just gotta find a way to start getting easy. But they are never out in transition. Never. Yeah. It's literally Blake bowling ball for forty minutes, and it's so yeah. insustainable. And for how young it, of a team it is, it's kind of frustrating that they don't get out and run more. Yeah, they don't have yeah. the shooters around them, which they should by all the draft picks and all the win guys you feel like they have on this team, but they don't have shooters around Blake, so they can't play Blake bully ball for 45 minutes and a night. Ryan, before There's I go even, back to you, yeah. I just want to talk. I, Luke Kennard, I just want to clear this up. I like him. I think he can be really good. I think he needs to play. He needs to get better by playing. You know what I mean? It's one of those things yeah. where I don't think you can just yank him. It's like yeah. what Stan Van Gundy did to Stanley Johnson. Look what happened. Like, just let him play. They have potential. Luke Kennard, I think, could be what – Obviously not with the career numbers, but a Kyle Korver, you sure. know, give yeah. me three threes a game and some defense and just <laughs> take a charge here and there, do right. your thing. So that's, that, that's about all I got with the guard play. I mean, you see it with JJ Reddick, he never really, in his first couple of years in the league, he didn't really adjust. And then he's become kind of a guy who's in the starting lineup for a top four team in the East. So mm-hmm. you, you've seen progression out of shooters. He just needs to shoot the ball. Yeah. Like when you, when you're open, don't make the extra yeah. pass. Pull You're a shooter. Shoot the ball. Your teammates want you to shoot. Yeah. It, like, I'm sorry, I don't want Andre taking a 12-foot <laughs> turnaround oh that he misses yeah. every single time. So, I, it, the thing about it, though, is it, it seems like Dwayne Casey's almost lost this team, kind of. Not lost it, but... I, I know what th- you mean. Yeah. It just feel There's no Something's energy. so off. There's yeah. no energy. The chemistry in the locker room is not good. So, I... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make major deals at the deadline. Yeah. I don't know if they're selling, 
buying. I, I just see something in the future happening. So that was my. Uh, it's incredible the, the the beautiful segue for on your end. I, I wanted to ask the question yeah. about about Dwayne Casey because I've always with with Casey coming in, I really like what he's done, and you know I, I like seeing Kennard get minutes. I like seeing Stanley get minutes because they because especially Stanley never did when Stan Van was the coach. And I genuinely think that that players love playing for Dwayne Casey, but you just you just hit the nail on the head. Something is clearly not right because I'm always someone who looks beyond the game on the floor. You know, it's about the hustle, that the attitude, the effort, and it's been. And I'm sure when you're losing games, it's not it's not easy. So it is this vicious cycle, but something looks wrong. So I mean, you know, granted, you're not. It's it's in his first year, but but do you have any reservations about Dwayne Casey being the guy to to lead this team or to if you want to say turn the franchise around? Is there any part of you that, that that's scratching your head and thinking like, wow, he this he might be, you know, continuing to put this team in a hole rather than helping them? No, I don't feel that way. I just feel like he's almost resigned. He's had he had a number one seed Toronto Raptors last year. Now he's had to deal with. 18 and 23 Pistons. <laughs> I feel like it's tough adjustment for him. I, I, I it, he just seems yeah, resigned. That that this what this whole team seems like resigned. They seem like they don't care. And you see them on national television get embarrassed, and you see yeah. the people telling lack of effort. That you see it, and then they come out the Nets and Sacramento and go down 16 just like that. The lack of effort is questionable on Dwayne Casey and everyone involved in the organization. But I, I I think he's the right guy. I think you saw that when they had decent pieces and they were healthy. But it, it's going to be interesting in this offseason because I wouldn't be surprised if he wiped his hands of this whole situation if it goes downhill. Um, See, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I, I definitely say that hoping it doesn't happen. But my thing with him is, I, I'll be honest, when I was watching the Lakers game, and then the Kings game, those back-to-back nights, that was rough. And I'm sitting there, I'm not saying these other losses haven't been, but I'm sitting there watching these games, and Kyle Kuzma is dropping 41 points. What are as uh, to me? To me, as a coach, you've got to make some kind of adjustment. I don't. Mm-hmm. He was pulling up from you know, I, he's just dribbling down. It's, no one's picking him up. It's like what's going on, guys? Yeah. I understand. Maybe the game's over, so you're not really trying. You're down 15 in the fourth, but or the third quarter, like, just come on, show me something. And Dwayne Casey, but here's what I will say about him is I think he's trying to get his system to work. And if you remember in Toronto, it was a lot of three-point shooting. It's a lot of, you know, pick and pop and, and drive and kick and that kind of stuff, just like bam, 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 shooting, shooting, passing, quick ball movement, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The problem is your two best players are Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. And yeah. I'm not going to say that this can't, like, because I, I kind of want to ask you guys, too, after we're done talking about this, if Blake and Andre can work together. But in my opinion, it's more like we are we need to develop the personnel we have so that that kind of system will work. You know, Because right now, Bruce Brown isn't hitting threes. Stanley Johnson isn't hitting threes. Luke Kennard isn't shooting threes. It's frustrating to watch. And that's when I'd like to see a player like Glenn Robinson get out there more yep. and get more minutes. Langston Galloway get more minutes. Because you got to just try something. I know he's trying to stick to his system, but it's not working with the personnel you got. But in in the long haul, I I love Dwayne Casey. I really do. He the, the Pistons are losing, and he's getting fired up. You know, Stan Van Gundy would just yeah, he'd get fired up, but he'd scream and yell at you and yeah. cuss you out. And right. it's like Dwayne Casey always got something positive to say. He's always got a lot of like things we got to work on. Mm-hmm. And and when the team wins, he's genuinely happy and excited. And and that, so I I'm gonna give him some time because I still think. The Pistons can turn this around, and I think we'll probably touch on that in a second here. But yeah. I still think the Pistons can turn this around and sneak into the playoffs in the East, and this season would be somewhat of a success. Uh, I I agree with you, Langston Galloway. He's the only guy who has consistent energy every night. Yep. But Glenn Robinson is – I he had a good year with Indianapolis last year, and I thought that he was going to be a lot better for that. He hasn't – he doesn't really guard anyone, and he – doesn't hit shots, so I, yeah. it's hard to put him out there. And he's had injury issues this whole year. Yes, they they don't have the personnel. That's it's just plain and simple. It's a mismatch. They don't have good wind defenders. I mean, I'm not wind defenders. It's like the only thing they have good. I don't know why I said that. They don't have wind 
scorers. They yes, don't have yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. scoring size. Yeah. Yeah. Though, I will say the only reason I brought up Robinson is just from the standpoint of like and, getting and a change, like trying when, to switch it up a little bit. And when Blake is not dominant, this team basically loses. Yeah, we rely on Blake pretty heavily, yeah. and the rest of the starting unit, but mostly Blake because it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. So we can. I want to tie in Trent's question to to one of my questions is you know the, with the trade deadline. Because, uh, like you said, Collins, I don't know if this team, depending on where they're at at the deadline, I mean, this, I I feel like the decision to buy or sell might go up until like the week before the deadline. Because yeah, yeah. it could. Because I don't know, you know, they don't have a lot of flexibility with 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 the the cap space, but you know, whether or not this this team would buy or sell, I couldn't tell you right now. So whether it is a guy like you know Reggie or or, or Drummond or whoever else you want to go down the list. I guess my question being is 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 who, if anyone, needs to go on this team? Like who, when that deadline comes around, is there anyone at all you need to see shipped off? And the reason why I want to tie that into Trent's question is because for me, you know, with Blake and Andre playing next to each other, when Blake came over, I was like, cause I'm a very old school, like throw the ball in the paint, you know, back again, you know, that's where the game is won for me in the paint. And granted, that's not the way the NBA game is has progressed over the years, but you would think with with really, truly two of the best four, probably the best four or five combo in the league, uh, I guess on pay, at least on paper, you'd think it'd work better. And for whatever reason, because you know, I feel like if you put Blake Griffin without Andre, I mean, there's your centerpiece to get the ball to. If you have Andre out there without Blake, I mean, Andre's your centerpiece to get the ball to. And they play two you know, pretty different games in a sense of, you know, Blake Griffin, I'm comfortable with him pulling up from three. Andre, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, he can't even make free throws. Like, why right. are you shooting from three? So, you know, I, I as time has gone on with this team and, and watching this team play, I'm truly okay if, if you want to entertain offers for Andre Drummond. And the only reason why I say that is because, you know, with the league being this shoot, and there's no positions anymore you know you have Giannis plays the point guard he's Polish, seven foot one yeah. you know you, you have you know all these you know the guy like Rudy Gobert like they're just so much more athletic than than Drummond to where he can he can do other things than he had grab to, rebound I mean everyone can rebound dude seriously yeah. like if you if you care to to move beyond the free throw line and yeah. get your hands up you can grab 20, 20 boards a game. You can. Yeah, he's going to break the record, but he's not Dennis Rodman, who's right. the best rebounder ever, basically. Exactly. And, and you, you look at Drummond defensively, he's just not what he needs to be. Seriously. For this team. If you if For what the money they're paying for him is to be an energy guy, he's not going to be a guy who initiates offense. He's going to be a guy who just absolutely dominates the glass, and he's got to be better on defensive end, and he just hasn't been better on defensive end. Be- Right, and, and as far as as far as the like, you look at how much he does get paid, and that's to me where you look at him and Blake being two of the highest paid, the two highest paid, yeah, paid players on the team. Wow, Ooh. flu game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep, don't don't yeah. forget about that. Yeah, flu game. But I'm okay with with obviously you know Andre has more time in the league than Blake does does left, but I almost feel like if you were to stick with Blake and ride Blake until his career is over. And get some get something else in return for Andre. I think your long your longevity would honestly be better with that and getting the pieces for for Andre than if you you know for some reason let let Blake walk or get Blake out of here. Which I it, the, how you could trade him is beyond me. But if I don't think Andre can be that centerpiece of the team because he's not a he's not a Giannis, he's not a Rudy Gobert, he's not a you know he's not a a, a Jokic. Like I it just I I don't see it anymore. And maybe that's short-sighted of me or, or jumping the gun too much because he you know has had a bad stretch here but between him and and, and Reggie too is just a name who like flat out I just I he's not gonna he's not doesn't help this team win he's not the same player and you know what it's okay that he's not like yeah it's, it's okay to accept that and kind of move on and try to go from there because he got hurt yeah he got injured and that happens and I mean you too you took a chance when you when you bring him over here is like okay, like Reggie's our guy, yep. you know, and I, I I loved when he came over because I mean playing behind Russell Westbrook in OKC, 
you know, he he was itching to to get yeah. going. And when he first came over, it was awesome. Like, it you was know, very exciting because you remember we gave them Kyle Singler and DJ Augustine. Right. And we got Reggie, which was, was like, like, yeah, oh I was boy. Like, okay, yeah, and that's that I think great trade still to this day for yeah. the Pistons. But I mean, you're at a, you're at a point now where. I think you know Reggie. Whether it is is his his body letting him down, or if it is a mental thing for him, but production wise and leadership wise, he's he, in any team in the NBA. He's not going to take you to that next level. He's no longer a part of those. You know, you have your elite slash superstar point guards and your Stephs and your Kyries, and then you have your tier one guys. You could put like you know Kyle Lowry for yeah. example. Kemba. Yeah, and, and but but you know Reggie's kind of fallen off that tier one block. Yeah, I think he he's a, a solid you know tier two guy, and you know you have you have a backup point guard Nish Smith who I would rather see on the floor than Reggie. Well, at six this point. and fourteen without him, you know yeah. he impacts this team. It's pretty glaring. So I don't know if you know. I guess I'll just turn over to you guys now. As far as when you're looking at the trade deadline, is there anyone that has to go in your mind? Are you are you sick and tired of the Blake and uh, Andre experiment? Uh, I I kind of am with Andre. I'm kind of uh, the effort issue. It, it just bugs me because mm-hmm. that's you're you're paid a lot of money. You should go on the floor and produce. In his production is. Solely based on effort, because when he brings it, he's a he's a top twenty five player in the league, and he he just consistently does that. And I think he still has a little bit of value. And I, if you're gonna build around one of them, I'd rather take Blake. So if you could kind of ship Drummond out and maybe go one for one with McCollum or something like, just start start fresh, figure something else out because this isn't working. So you might as well take a chance on someone else. I. I it's just this piston team looks tired. It looks like they're going to be stuck for another five to six years. It's There's no hope of having a championship team here for a long time. A long time. Because they're cap tied, too. Yeah. yeah. It's they like are the wins tied. a couple of years and that, ago. And that's pretty much the basis of my entire argument I'm about to go into here. So I got to take a deep breath. Um, I think the Pistons should, should be buyers at the deadline to answer okay. the question. And I think all guards are expendable except for Reggie Bullock because I think you have to. I mean, that's our best three point shooter. I feel like you got to hang on to him. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if you get a good deal, then take it. And Bruce Brown, just because he's young, he's an elite defender. And then maybe Kennard. I only say that because I like him. The rest of the guards expendable. You know, I, Reggie Jackson. I would not mind seeing him go, but I also think you can make it work if he stays. But it's just kind of one of those things where it's in the middle. But. I think you've got to hang on to Blake and Andre, and I don't believe in absolutes. I don't think a loaded backcourt is the only way to win in the NBA. You know, we see these flashy Stephen Clay, Chris Paul, and, and James Harden. We see all that stuff, and we're like, okay, we need two. We need two guards who can run around and shoot over everybody, and that's how we're going to win games. But in my opinion, I just, I don't, I don't believe that that's the only way it, it, it can work. And I've got a buddy of mine who who thinks very similarly to what you guys are saying, and that Andre doesn't bring a whole lot of effort, but. I, I I disagree with the fact that well, the, the the premise that Blake and Andre can't work together because um, and not saying that you guys have said anything about this, but Blake sp- Blake spaces the floor, always plays point forward. There's really not a spot on the floor he can't play. And that's why I would argue that now he's playing the best basketball of his career in Detroit, even though the numbers aren't in the, in the highlight reels aren't super mm-hmm. flattering, you know, but he's a threat to shoot the three. He's powerful going to the rim. He, he can hit his free throws. He's an exceptional big man passer. So all those things come come into play. Then Andre is immovable down low. I know it's 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 a deal with, like, he's got to have effort, but he's the most dominant rebounder since Rodman, and that that, that that's not hyperbole. Um, I, I just I, – the numbers uh, – he, he's a consistent double-double. He's a league-leading 7-20-20 games this season. He's averaging 17-15. and 15. It's not like he's giving you 10 and 10. Like like Draymond right. Green double doubles, you know what I mean? He's seventeen and fifteen. That's pretty solid. So here's the problem with these two: is that when that's all you have on offense, which is what the Pistons have had for the last few games, it's pretty easy to game plan for because all you got to do is when your other guards can't score efficiently enough, like Reggie and Stanley, and or or enough period, and Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, then it makes defending easier because all you got to do is put a body on Drummond because you'll wear him down eventually. You know mm-hmm. it just happens to everyone. And 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 just hack Griffin. Just go. Just yep. go at him. Go at. Just put your most athletic young guy on Griffin, and just because Blake will, he'll cap out at twenty five, and the Pistons will lose. So it, it's just like it happens to anybody, you know, with the exception of maybe LeBron James. 
uh, you're going to run out of gas at some point in the game. So it's the deficiencies around those two, in my opinion. So that, that, that's the reason you're losing to the Hawks and the Hornets and the Magic and, and all these teams that you should beat. Because in, in even close games and games that you maybe shouldn't beat, like the Jazz and things like that. So Blake's a top five player in the East. Drummond's the best rebounder of the league. This team should be able to turn things around with the Twin Towers. And and I and then my next I'll I'll try to be quick here, but I want to just shed some light on the Drummond stuff because I totally agree with the fact that I think, you know, you could move him, you maybe should move him, whatever. I don't think the Pistons will do it. And here's the only reason I say that. Tom Gorris said, you know, okay, can we just talk about this for a second? Tom Gorris is probably the worst owner in the NBA. He is awful. He doesn't come to games. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know basketball. He's awful. Okay? He's terrible. But he gave us probably the most vanilla quote ever, but he's the owner, and he said, I think this team can overcome the adversity. So I don't think they're going to move Blake or Andre. I don't think so. But um, he's slow. He's lazy. He doesn't want it that bad. He can't score. Uh, on Drummond's part, I just think that's wrong. Uh, I I think there are five major stat categories in basketball, right? Points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Mm-hmm. Drummond is leading the league in one of them. And to me, that's worth something. Uh, he hasn't averaged less than 13 rebounds a game since his rookie season. That's six years in a row. I know that's all in, inflated and stuff, and you can take take it for what it's worth. Here's my biggest point with this. I think as fans, we need to stop expecting or hoping for him to be a Joel Embiid or an Anthony Davis, or a DeMarcus Cousins, because he's not. His skill set is not that. You know, we see these other big big men, and even Rudy Gobert, an elite shot blocker. We see all these other big men, and we want him to be that, and he's just not because his skill set doesn't allow for that. But here's what he is. He's a bruiser, athletic rebounder, best in the business. We need to stop expecting him to be Hakeem Olajuwon down low. You know, he's not. He's he's he'll, 17 to 15 is good enough for me. And this whole team and, and this, uh, this, this whole team, to me, hasn't shown a whole lot of effort. I don't think it's just him. I think it's a tough stretch. I'm not comparing Andre to Rodman, but did anybody complain when Dennis Rodman couldn't score? <laughs> nope. You know, and, and, <laughs> he also so, was the best defender in the league, though. Okay. So that's a difference. So, no, no, yeah. with, with the Bulls, though. I'm talking about like when he was like a rebounding demon. He, I mean, he was with the Pistons. But I mean, with he, the won Bulls, defense, uh, he won six man of the year twice. Yeah, that's, Pistons, that's, so. that, okay, that's true. But, like, it's just it, it's the, the thing is – I just no one complained when Rodman couldn't score, and you know why? Because he had Pippen and Jordan and Kerr and all these guys scoring around him, and Tony Kukoc and things like that. So when the Pistons can't score, it's like I said, it's just easy to defend. You just you just put a body on him. Yeah, he's not going to do a whole lot. You know what he is? He's physical. He's a rebounder. You need that kind of stuff to win. And I just I, I feel the same way that I feel about Matt Stafford on the Lions. If you take him off the team. I don't think there's any way you're going to get better unless you can bring in a guy who you can tell me is going to be good. So I don't know. That's just my spiel. Sorry for the length. I just want I, – I don't I don't think – I think Tom Gorris made it clear he's got faith in this team or whatever. Move some guards. Guards are expendable. Sell at the deadline because you are cap tied, as Colin said. Not a whole lot you can do with this roster other than just try to put efficient guard play around Blake and Andre. And then I have faith in this team moving on, moving forward, and, and I don't think they'll trade Andre or Blake. Uh, Drummond just he just is paid too much. He's just not the player they paid for, and I I, I think a lot of people knew that they had to overpay to keep him. And that's just how the league worked at that yeah. point. But it, it's not a lot of optimism, which is a lot of Detroit sports right now, which is sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is a rough time right now. Yeah, back trying back to your point about about like the ownership and he's brutal. That's the the re- see. That's why. Like, I don't buy that this was a team who last year before they went and got Blake basketball is very funny in how if you commit to the rebuild, you know, like like the Sixers or the, the poster child for the, you know, the process, whatever the Suns still stink, but like it's, 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 they have players who are going to be very good someday in the future. Um, but if this was a team who was committed to longevity, and I think that that's what you should build towards. You should, you know, I, I don't, yeah. the one-hit wonders, like, you know, and I, I kind of talk about it when I talk about the Lions, your Jacksonville Jaguars who went to the, you know, a, a conference championship last year and they're right back to their losing ways. You should be building for longevity. And the Pistons, I don't feel, are committed to that because whether or yeah. not you want to point the finger at Goros and say, you know, he's he's sitting on this as a cash cow. 
it's I just feel like every single year we're gonna see these trades that give up young guys or give up draft picks to bring in names that will fill seats, and that's not how you win. Right. So, you know, to your point about about Blake and Andre. Like, yes, the reason why this team is not successful and hasn't been is because, you know, before Blake was here, Andre's your guy. Like, absolutely your yeah. guy. Now you have Blake and Andre, but everywhere else on the floor, you're not as good as the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go pump money and resources into filling out those those gaps, then great. But it's kind of hard to do with your cap, and it's kind of hard to do, like, when, you know, last year you gave up your first-round picks – so, you know, I, I don't yeah. know. It's it's they're in a tough spot and that's a whole bigger conversation, but I I mean, guys, I guess to wrap up Pistons talk here, I, do you genuinely believe like can this team turn it around? Will this team be sitting in a 4 or 5 spot going into the playoffs like we thought? Or are they missing the playoffs? Or are they getting an 8 seed? Like what's the what does the future hold? I I think there's still opportunity to get into the playoffs. They went through a tough stretch. I understand it, but I mean they've you've seen them get hot this season. I mean they've won six in a row at some point this season, and you get in stretches like they're about to get into after the Jazz, which is a tough game on the road. You got the Magic at home, Heat at home, Kings at home, Wizards away, Pelicans away, Mavs away. Those are six games you could all possibly win all of them. Mm-hmm. So the, you you get some stretches like that when you play in the Eastern Conference. So it they they could turn it around, but it the optimism I held for them earlier in the year, where I thought maybe they could compete for a four or five spot, is completely gone, and I don't see that anytime in the future. Um, because of this bad stretch, I don't think the four or five spot is possible anymore either. However, you know we're only forty one in. You know we just reached the halfway point. It's a long season, sometimes too long, but. Uh, we factually played our hardest stretch of the season. So yeah. you look at, like, Collins just laid it out for you. That's six games you can go win. And, you know, you get hot, then you can beat a team like the Bucks, who they got coming up, or a team like the Pelicans with Anthony Davis and all that. But with the, with your with some of your injuries coming back, you know, Ish Smith coming back, this is the Eastern Conference. To, for me, that's the bottom line. This team is far too talented to miss the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the, Li- I, the Lions. I think the Pistons could sneak back in at a seven or an eight, and then I guess the only reason that I have hope that they hope that they could they could advance past that is because I like a matchup with the Bucks. Call me crazy. I just I do because I think you can game plan and you give Giannis stop everyone else. Give Giannis his forty. You know what? I, that's what the Golden State Warriors did. Granted, we are nothing close to them. That's what they did with LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Give him forty one and stop everyone else. You know, so I, I'm not afraid of Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs and and uh, and Thon Maker. So I don't know how to answer the question. I don't think all hope is lost, but we're going to find out here in the next week or two. And then obviously at the trade deadline, if they're going to sell and make one last push, you know, we'll see. But um, I just think the team's too talented to miss the playoffs. We'll see though. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Pistons off to a, a quick uh, nine-two lead over the Jazz right now. Nine-five, actually. Nine-five. Oh, that's great. Yeah, of oh, course. Joe Ingles probably hit a three. Of course. <laughs> Well, we gotta. We definitely have to save some Pistons talk. I, when the Pistons are good, and like when basketball in this city is competitive, and you know whether or not you're an eight seed in the playoffs or not, like it's it's very fun to talk about. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so for sure. more Pistons definitely to come on the Motown Rundown. That is going to be it for today's episode for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Feel free to tweet any questions, comments, or suggest some topics for the show using the hashtag Motown Rundown on Twitter. Don't miss a single episode. Be sure to subscribe to Impact WGBM on iTunes. New episodes come out every Tuesday, usually. I can't make any promises, but usually on Tuesday. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. You have been listening to the Motown Rundown, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM. For all your Michigan State and Detroit sports coverage, visit impact89fm.org slash sports, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Hello, everybody.